okay. Welcome back to Talking Knicks. We got a good one. We had a good week of Knicks basketball. 3-0 and this week. Knicks are they're hot in the street. And I'm here to talk about it with my good friends Tom and Big Baby David and my brother Ken. So hey guys, let's talk Knicks. So before we get to the good stuff, let's talk about the bad stuff. BBD, how was your weekend? Ah, oh, man, just been just been treadmilling. It That's shows it. you look you look good. Is that a me- is that a metaphor? Oh, or and I got a, a haircut. Literal? No, just just walked on the treadmill the whole weekend. That's what I do for fun these days. Man, Damn. what a life. Isn't that a great story? Wild and I got a haircut that's been getting compliments, not from you guys yet, which is weird. But you got a great looking haircut there, BBD. Well, it's just your oh, hair, thanks, man. You you didn't no, have to say that. It's just your hair always looks good, regardless of the cut when you yeah. got it. Like it's just it's it's a constant in my life, and I, I don't take it for granted. That. Honestly, yeah, not, it it wasn't fully in the frame before, but now that you like mention it, like I can kind of see it. Yeah, there you. Whoa. Oh, BBD. Oh, the listeners yeah. don't know what's yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, it's my it's my one honestly, asset. I'll I'll describe it to the listeners. It looks like he's wearing a, a black slick back hair wig. <laughs> 50, 50, 50 black, black slick, slick black back hair. hair wigs. So that's what he's yeah. doing. Um Kenny, we saw each other this weekend. How was your weekend? Yeah, what's up? Uh I did see you this weekend. I saw Tom this weekend. Um it's my first time seeing like a person in person since the summer outside of my immediate family. So that was cool. Went to, went over to Tom's place, ate some pizza, drank some brewskis, watched some basketball. It was, it was a good time. It was weird, but it was fun. It was good. It was good. I yeah. was there. As, I was there as well. Tom was showing us our, some basketball cards, our new, our new business. Um, yeah, it's got to check out the bachelor pad. It's a total party house. <laughs> it's a total, total party, party house. Party. I will say the That's only thing. Yeah, the only thing kind of ruining the the bachelor vibe was my wife was there. She was. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, she was uh, back uh-huh. home from New Hampshire for the weekend, so it was good to good to see her. Good to see you guys. Except for you, BBD. You, we gotta get you out here to Connecticut one of these days. I don't know. Yeah, man. I mean, like it just takes one invitation, and, <laughs> and uh, we're good. A live, have a, car. a live talking for, for things pod like that would be pretty sweet. Um, imagine, imagine a world. Let's all let's all stop recording now and let's get in our cars and just let's just go meet up somewhere. Fairfield, Connecticut's the middle ground. So. Yeah, I think so. All right, All let's right. go. But Tom, you should get right. in your car and then drive halfway to New York and then back, so that you have to drive. So we can all arrive together. It'll feel yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. Just timing wise, that's so what makes sense. Unifying yeah. us all. I ain't nothing else for you to do during the time when we're driving to your house, so it might as well. All right, I think I, we've hit it pretty strong to start. Just so the listeners know. Um, and but we'll 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 move on to the Knicks now. The Knicks, as I mentioned, hot week, three and zero. Beat the Kings one forty one twenty one. Beat the Pacers one ten one oh seven. Beat the Pistons one oh nine to ninety. 
Uh, we were missing Alfred Payton all week. We did this all without our starting point guard. Whether or not you think that's impressive or not, we'll discuss. For many and teams, th- it would be. Yeah, and um, biggest of all, the Knicks are in fourth place in the Eastern Conference, which, I mean, fourth through tenth is like all the all the same, pretty much. So I think we got down to like. 11th at one point and then we went on we won two games in a row and now we're now we're the best we're above 500 fourth in the eastern conference which is home court in the home court in the playoffs so the season ends today we're in the playoffs and we're we're hosting so i mean what's the hottest topic of the week for you tom well let's let's start it off like that hot topic segment I mean the the hottest topic is probably there's so many so many good ones just running through my head right now it's like hard to even pick just one but uh, I am going to go type it in. I am going to go with uh, let's go with Derek Rose inserted into the starting lineup with Alfred Payton kind of giving this starting group a little more a little more juice a little more pizzazz like there was just more 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 energy to that lineup without Payton in there it's not like Derrick Rose brings a ton of shooting, but at least he's a willing three-point shooter, especially when he's open. And just the fact that he's such a better... I mean, Alfred Payton does a fine job getting into the paint, but this year he hasn't really been looking for his teammates that much. He hasn't really been facilitating like like assists and buckets that much. Derrick Rose is just a, a more dynamic offensive player and facilitator, and I think that the starting lineup has bear that out, and that he should get some real consideration for being the starting point guard going forward, even when Peyton's healthy. Yeah, and Derrick Rose Rose played a lot. 28 minutes, 38 minutes, and 32 minutes this week. This is a guy who was coming off the bench as the sixth man for the Pistons and then for us. Kenny, what were you going to say? So, yeah, I think think Tom is right that um, Rose just is a more dynamic player. Um, He's so far, the last three games this week, he shot very well from three-point line. I don't know that that's what we expect from him. It certainly helps because I don't know that we've ever had a week where Alfred Payton shot well from, from the three-point line. Uh, against the Kings, he was two for two. Against uh, the Pacers, he was one for three. And then against the Pistons, he went two for three. So that's a 33% or better in all three of the games. So, yeah. Getting that from point guard, able to spread the floor, able to create for people like it's it's nice to have a point guard who can do that, which just hasn't been the case this year. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say that Derrick Rose is like a good defender necessarily, but I wouldn't really say that about Peyton either. You know, there were multiple times in that Pacers game where Rose would get beat baseline by TJ McConnell of all people, and, and Clyde, you know, Frazier kept bringing that up, but. When, when push came to shove and like it was the, the most important defensive possession of the game, it was Rose who got that deflection and kind of hit the ball towards Neil Aquino, who came up with a steal uh, when he got fouled and nailed those last two free throws to kind of ice that game. So, you know, I definitely want to talk a lot about Frank, probably more about Frank than we have, you know, the rest of the season combined. But, you know, on both ends of the floor, I just, I like what Rose brings to that this lineup. And then the question becomes like, you know, then Alfred Payton is your guy coming off the bench. 
it, there are questions about what it will do to the lineup. Thibodeau is on the record saying he won't go more than 10 deep in his rotation. That's a little concerning, especially if kind of you have to assume that Peyton is a lock to get at least some minutes. You wonder who the next guy you know, to be bumped out of the rotation would be. It'd probably be Frank, despite him playing well these last couple games. So um, I don't know. I, I do kind of wonder what Peyton will do to the dynamic nature of the, of the second unit that we've seen kind of quickly and, and Rose be the, the co-lead ball handlers on, Peyton might sort of mess with that vibe. Yeah, and I think you, you touched on an important point. With Rose uh, moving to the starting lineup, quickly has been, you know, much improved. He was, he was struggling for a little while, but the last three games he's had, you know, solid games and one, you know, very, very good game against, uh, was that the Kings where he scored, I think, 25 in like the first half or 21 in the first half or something like that. And he, I think part of that is he is like people have pegged him as a, as an off ball player because that's what he did in Kentucky. But so far this season earlier, before we had Derek Rose coming off the bench with him, he was the main ball handler and he was the guy creating. And he's had the opportunity to do that a little more now with, uh, with Rose moving to the starting lineup and, you know, them not sharing the floor as much. So uh, that's been a good thing. But I, like you said, when Alfred Payton comes back, what happens? Cause either, you know, Rose is going to go back and and it's going to be him and quickly playing at the same time. Or uh, if Alfred Payton gets goes back to the to the second lineup, which would be weird. Uh, that's also going to affect Quickly's uh, time time handling the ball. Yeah, the Knicks have a lot of guards who are doing pretty good. We had Alec Burks go off for 19 in the fourth quarter of that Kings game, hit three threes in a row at one point, and then he. Added two more for good luck down the stretch. Uh, she ended up with 24 in that game, which was, you know, he's not getting out of the lineup. He's our best shooter. The Bullock is starting. He's probably not getting cut out of the lineup. Unless one of these guys gets traded, um, there's going to be someone sitting on the bench. And could be Frank, I guess. But, I mean. It, it has happened like, before. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just – don't know what the other options are. It's like it's either that or Alfred Payton just continues to not be in the rotation, which I can't imagine happening. Like yeah, I could imagine as much as that's what I would vote for. Yeah, like I, all all I can do is imagine that happening. <laughs> you could just have an Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick scenario where Alex Smith gets injured and misses one game, and they're like, "Oh, Colin Kaepernick's the starting quarterback now." And then he leads them to the Super Bowl, but they lose in the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I mean, the, I think the problem is I don't know how sustainable Derrick Rose averaging, you know, 38 minutes a game is going to be. I think before that, this season, he's he's been around 30, and I think he was the same last season. And that's kind of the role he settled into. But it's looked a lot better, so maybe so he's got you, that in the tank. You don't think Derrick Rose can lead the Knicks to the Super Bowl is what you're saying? That's what it sounds like. Uh, I I think he can. Like I'm just I just be worried about, about it. yeah. Just be worried about the injury potential with him playing that many minutes. Because certainly the Knicks look better now, but minutes have always been a, a concern with with Tibbs. Speaking of minutes, we're gonna jump a little bit all over the place. We'll get back to Frank, but minutes. Nerlens Noel going with back to back forty minute games, I believe. We had uh, Taj Gibson get injured early in the Pacers game. He played four minutes, and then Nerlens ended the game with 41 minutes. 
Second night of a back-to-back against the Pistons, he goes for 40 minutes. This is all with our our starting center, Mitch, out for the for a few weeks. He'll be back someday. But Nerlens during his minutes was amazing. I'll say still has a not the best hands I've ever seen, but he was playing great defense, grabbing rebounds. Just all over the floor, getting steals. BBD, what did what did you see from Nerlens that you loved? Well, that I loved, like his presence. We felt his presence the last few days because there's been very few minutes in both games that he wasn't on the floor. Um, but he's doing. I mean, he's doing just about everything we asked for. Getting you know seven and eleven rebounds respectively in the last couple games. Uh, at least two blocks every game this week and last week, I guess. Uh, a few steals. He's he's doing all the all the little things. It'd be nice if he would catch the ball a little more consistently. He's not a flawless player by any means. That's why he was coming off the bench for us uh, uh, until Mitch went out. But I mean, Nerlens is is filling his role very well. Yeah, he stepped in very nicely. Yeah, one thing that that Clyde said on the telecast was that. Noel just tries to block every everything, and it's so true. Like he doesn't have that fear of like getting posterized or anything like that. Like he just goes for the block on every play, and and you know sometimes I I think he gets him out of position, whether that's for a, a rebound or he just like goes for a pump fake or something. But you know, foul trouble hasn't obviously hasn't limited his minutes. He's been playing so much. Uh, it's just. His mentality is like you can't score. If you're going to score, it's going to have to be over or through me. And he just, you know, he's really been kind of walling off that paint, kind of like Mitch did. Um, and I, I didn't really expect him to have that in him, to be honest. I didn't think he was really that, you know, the, the kind of player that Mitch is as far as rim protection. But he has really brought the energy, and I think that's been a, you know, a real boost for the for the whole team. I think people see him doing that, and it. And it you know, makes them want to work a little bit harder too. So it's kind of like a like a morale boost too. I really do like that. And even offensively, I know he his hands are always questionable, but he's had a couple nice passes recently. I, I remember yeah. in one of the games, he threw a nice like big to big pass to Obi Toppin, who was cutting baseline. And I just thought, I don't know that Mitch really would throw that pass. Or I don't know if I've seen Mitch throw that pass. So there have been a few moments where Noel has actually made some some nice plays for his teammates too. And I definitely appreciate that. Yeah, Tom. And I think one other thing that I've seen from him on the defensive end is while <clears throat> while his hands aren't good on the offensive end, I think he's got quick hands on the defensive end because every once in a while, like he'll just poke poke out. A, someone will be dribbling and he'll just poke it out, and uh, it'll lead to to a turnover, which is exciting. And uh, just one stat I'm going to drop here on the podcast that I just looked up. So this is hot off the presses. Uh, before this season, Nerlens Noel had not played 40 minutes in a game until since his second season in the league, 2015 to 2016. Wow. So that's four seasons between then and now, this being the fifth. It's a long time. You wonder if that game went into overtime, because that was back in the 76ers days when they only had centers. Uh, Sean Holmes. So the last one, there were... He's played. He played three before this season. Two of them were in uh, 2016 or 2015, 2016. One of them was against the Knicks, uh, January 18th, 2016. The last one was yeah, I remember uh, that one. April 10th, 2016. Yeah, I remember so, that one and, too. 
we did an emergency <laughs> pod after that one. Yeah, but yeah. but here's the question. I I don't know if the one against the Knicks wasn't was a overtime game. Let me look into it because he played 47 minutes and 12 <laughs> seconds in that game. That, that has to be overtime. That's yep, double overtime game. That ah. tracks. Yeah, that would do it. That do it. should do it. Yeah, that I'd say is. that'll do it. <laughs> uh, well, that's that was the Nerlens minute. I think we'll we'll jump back to Frank and we'll 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 go back to our resident Frank guy to say whatever he wants about Frank. Man, I'm I'm. You didn't even say my name, but I know it's me because Frank's my boy. Um, I can't tell you guys how pumped it was I was to see Frank get off the bench and enter that game. Uh, the the first two games he played, he had a very positive impact. He hit a few threes. His stroke looked very clean. Uh, he looked very solid on defense. Last game, I you know it, it. I don't think it was as positive, but it certainly wasn't a negative game. I think if anything, it was neutral. He uh, he did hit the the two very clutch free throws um, against the Pacers after the the Derrick Rose kind of tip tipped ball leading to, I don't know who gets the steal for that, whether it was Frank or Rose, but Frank ended up with the ball and uh, sealed out that game. So uh, very excited, very, you know, I, I pose the question to you is whether this kind of goes along with what we were saying with Alfred Payton, but whether he's done enough to, to kind of solidify himself in the lineup at all, or if, you know, I think we're leaning towards, he might be, the casualty on the in the rotation when Payton gets back. Yeah, yes, I think I, I think I think he will be. I, I like we said before. I don't think there are really any other options, unfortunately. But he has shown enough. If if Thibodeau were willing to go eleven deep, which in a regular season game, I think that probably should be on the table, given especially how the minutes have gone recently. You know, in that in that game against Detroit they were down like 20 points and towards the end of the game and, and the starters were still in and you got to wonder about some of the minutes allocation, but you know, I don't want to be picking nits at this point, but yeah, Frank has shown that he can be an NBA player. Like he, he came into Sacramento and he, he just does all the little things. I know people are sick of hearing that, but like there are a bunch of videos going around on Twitter of him, like, stunting on in transition and just doing little things on defense that prevent buckets. And those little things add up over the course of a game. And it's just a lot of little winning plays that he does. He's, you know, he sets screens, he's, he cuts hard, he makes nice passes. And the fact that he was hitting some threes, those first two games was even better. You know, he was one of three in that first game. He hit his only three in that second game he played. And I know he, he didn't hit any shots against Detroit, but not that he was necessarily needed. But I don't know. I was on a, on a podcast uh, earlier this past week, and I was asked about Frank. And I, I basically said, like, why are we even talking about Frank? He's out of the rotation. No one's going to want to listen to this. And lo and behold, the next game, the day after I said all that, he he broke into the, the rotation, and, and it looked like he belonged. So that was really encouraging and nice to see. And he's a positive oh. contributor after being just exiled for what two months. I mean, that part of that was the really COVID nice. protocols, but yeah, very much an exile. And I'm, I'm and wondering. I, if I don't you... think he was getting put in anyway, because, <laughs> and that's not what I would have done. But that's the path very, we were on. 
Very fair. And I'm wondering if you guys were surprised he went in because I think my thought was Austin Rivers would be getting those minutes once we heard that Peyton was out. I gasped. I couldn't believe he was in. I was like, Frank? And I was very pumped that it was him over Austin Rivers. I'm sure Austin Rivers was bummed. I think he he might even want to get like traded to a contender that needs some secondary playmaking off the bench. We're not, not doing anything. Contender. Yeah, or just just anybody. I don't know. Um, needs needs a bench playmaker. But we're not doing anything to bolster his value, which I'm not saying we should be either. There's there's a lot of players who need minutes on this roster. And I didn't think Dawson Rivers, you know, I'm on the record saying I didn't think he was very productive in his time here in New York. He said all the right things um, kind of to the reporters and in the locker room. But on the court, I, I had a really hard time watching him aside from like two games. But um, yeah, I Jazz was Kenny. Game. I was super surprised by, by Frank's emergence. And I know I thought it was like I thought it was going to be if we have a garbage timeline, which I guess we don't do. But if there was one. <laughs> With Peyton out, then maybe Frank could have been that guy. But we don't have a garbage lineup, and we just like used him. So that was cool. Yeah, and then I know uh, when Clyde when he went in, Clyde mentioned that, or maybe it was Breen. One of them mentioned that maybe the reason that uh, they wanted to send him in against the Kings was because he's a defensive guy, and the Kings are a very potent offense. And then he went in again against the Pacers and Pistons, and I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, it's not just a situational thing. They're giving him a shot. So, good stuff all around. Yeah. We'll see if it lasts. Um, it was it was good to see him not really even trying to be the primary ball handler. They had to, you know, you play him with either Quickly or Rose. So, the 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 Frank point guard experience seems to be gone. Is that... Is that right? Did I watch that game correctly? Yeah, I think that he's sort of being used as this secondary playmaker. You know, he'll run some pick and roll still. Um, like, or you know, after the ball gets kicked out to him, he can kind of drive and and dish. So you know, he he had a couple assists I know in that Pacers game, and I remember him making a, a few good passes. But in terms of like, you're right in terms of being the the primary initiator. That's that's not really his role and that that's fine. Like the Knicks don't need him to be that he can, he can play off ball and he can still be, you need to have multiple guys who can keep the ball moving and can keep an offense running smoothly. And Frank is a hundred percent that as at the off guard position. Yeah. And I, it's a very small sample size, but I, I did notice, you know, his, his whole thing was he, without having to try to coordinate the offense and keep everyone happy. Like he was able to do his own thing, which was, if he got caught a shot or caught the ball for an open shot, he shot it. Otherwise, he uh, he had a few times where he uh, drove into the lane and took a little pull-up jumper. So, like, he was able to try to create for himself rather than worrying about everyone else. And I think it, it benefited him a little bit not to have to worry about the, the rest of the offense. Yeah. So, hopefully Frank continues to get minutes. Um, we'll see when, when Alfred Payton comes back. He's been day-to-day for, for a little while now. Um, we only have two games before the All-Star break, so maybe they'll just let him rest until then. But maybe they won't. I have no idea. I'm just speculating. It, 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 I, it sounded like he made the trip to Detroit and was going to keep being with the team in San Antonio, so it's only a two-game road trip. I imagine they're at least, they at least think it's possible he'll play tomorrow in San Antonio. Yeah. 
So Taj Gibson did not make the trip, so he's not playing. Which leads us to our next person. We saw Obi Toppin play a little bit of center, maybe, or otherwise Julius Randle was playing center. Um, not a ton, as we mentioned, Nerlens Noel with back-to-back over 40-minute games. But it's Obi needs to work on his interior game, as we say every every day. But he's he's good for a cool dunk every game. He had a nice reverse against the the Pistons, I believe. And then he had a cool tomahawk cockpack against someone else. The Kings, probably. I don't know. I don't remember. It's all a blur because Obi plays so so sporadically, so it's tough to – I guess that would make it easier to remember everything he does. But Just so all. many awesome dunks that, that I can't remember any of them, but, but they're, they're awesome. Yeah, I remember Frank threw him a nice pass, but that was kind of in garbage time of that – of the Kings game, I believe it was, but he threw him like a a really nice pass on a fast break. Yeah, that, that was, was the tomahawk. That was, that was the tomahawk. That was exciting. Um, that was the best nine seconds of your life, right, Tom? No, no, that, no, was... that was a different. That was a different play. Uh, what I tweet? I tweeted uh, the Frank when he stripped. Um, was it De'Aaron Fox? He stripped a De'Aaron Fox drive. Sure. And and through uh through an outlet to quickly who hit a nice step back three in transition, that was the best nine seconds of the <laughs> season for me. That was a very special time for me. Um, so I enjoyed that. But yeah, I I, I don't know. Toppin, he is. It's a question of role. It's it's like when he is being played at center next to Julius Randle, we've seen enough of Randle hitting threes that he should be able to space the floor to a, to an extent, and that Toppin should be able to be used as the role man on offense. I don't know that we saw enough of it to really get a sense of how we would optimize him there, but Toppin's just kind of an outlier on this team. Like He is the guy who needs to get out and run to be fully effective, and this team doesn't do that. We're like one of the last teams in pace, I want to say even even with Derrick Rose, who I know loves to get out and run, he's kind of adopted this slower pace of, of the Knicks' style. So that's just how Thibs kind of runs it. And that, that hurts Toppin's productivity. He doesn't have a ton of moves in the post. Like, he does need to improve his footwork. He really needs to get in the weight room and, and strengthen that lower body because he's too easy to be pushed to, like, push around considering just, like, how broad – he is like in his upper body. He's like super broad in his shoulders and his chest, but he gets put. He gets moved around too easily. So I, that's just part of him being a part of like a professional weightlifting program in the off season. And he he's got plenty to work on. No question about that. <laughs> I, what's confused me so much about Obi is like his shot, and even in in the post, his his touch there is just so inconsistent. Like every once in a while. He'll make a post move and like he'll take a, a baby hook and the touch will be perfect and it'll be beautiful. And then other times he's just like throwing it as hard as he can off the backboard and like there's no in between where it like bounces around a couple of times and falls in or falls out. It's like it's either everything looks really good or it looks terrible. And I don't know if that's you know a product of kind of his his limited minutes and not really getting to have a feel for for his situations and like maybe trying to force it a little bit when he does get the ball or if it's just you know, what I should be expecting from him. 
Yeah. He, he really probably needs rec specs. <laughs> you never know who what was, you're going to get with him. Who was that a thing for that, like, they had really bad eyesight and they refused to get classes and then eventually they got, like, LASIK? Ah, uh, I think it was Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay had bad eyesight and eventually um, ended up getting LASIK. And I think the season after he got LASIK, his, his three-point shooting improved uh, dramatically. I don't know if it stayed that way, but I think that's a thing that happened. Good. And then one but thing Google I wanted to say. Makes, I believe you're right. It was Rudy Gay. Nice. Good job. One thing I want to say about Obi running. This is this wasn't a good thing, but against the Pacers, he tried to run a fast break by himself. Or no, no, the Pistons, and he just got swatted. It was it was funny. I think we could all agree on that. <laughs> he tried to be the point guard, got a steal, ran it up, tried to take a layup, and did not go well. But another part that would help Obi is, and we've said this on past pods, but. Just need better lobs to be thrown to him. Alec Burks against the Pistons threw two of the worst lobs to Obi that I've ever seen. It was just the Pistons were playing off and pretty much just giving Alec Burks a layup or, or a floater in the lane. And instead of that, he just tried to throw lobs to Obi, which Obi wanted. But <laughs> Jer- Jer- Jeremy Graham, Grant, Jeremy Grant, just sniffed it out a mile away and just absolutely swatted it. He could have just Man. caught it. There was also the even the the play where he had the nice reverse dunk, like that one. I think Obi was very much planning on an alley oop, and they just whoever threw the pass threw it. I don't know it was a bounce pass or it was just a normal chess pass, but like just threw it to him, and he's like, "All right, I guess I'll just do a reverse dunk." Still looked cool, but like that was that's one of those situations where very easily could have just been an alley oop and you know developing that chemistry over time i'm sure will help him but you wonder how many power forwards uh not guys like mitch how many power forwards just like catch lobs all day it's tough to to for that to be your thing especially coming from the the corner that's not really a a consistent play that's run in my mind more in the pick and roll you see the lobs yeah, does like know. Derek Jones Jr. get used that way? Like, because he's—I know he's not even probably a four. Maybe in some lineups he is, just because he's not much of a shooter. But he's just such a prolific dunker. I, I wonder if he's kind of like an example of one of those guys you'd put in the dunker spot to just throw down lobs, even though he's not a center. Um, I would say like prime Blake Griffin, but Blake kind of—he would do his dunks in transition and then kind of run the offense from the elbows in the half court. Cause he was sort of like the fulcrum of that offense. Whereas Obi has not graduated that level yet. So yeah, I, I don't really want to sit here and compare Obi Toppin to Derek Jones jr. But it's kind of what I'm doing. He got paid. So we'll, we'll accept it. He helped lead them to the, to the finals, or at least he was there when they were led to the finals by someone else. So, I mean, there's only a few people left to talk about. Um, our Lord and Savior, Julius Randle, always just being the best player ever consistently. So I don't even know how much there is to say about him. He just is every game, just consistency. Uh, I think he's got nine straight games of over 20 points, um, 14 of the last 15 over 20 points. 
he had one dud against Miami. Uh, but other than that, he's just been just been absolutely amazing. And you you know that if the All Star team was selected like today rather than a week ago, he would have been even more of a of a resounding pick with the Knicks in the four spot, even though. It's only a two-game difference between a two-and-a-half-game difference between fourth and tenth, but we're on the right side of that two-and-a-half or three-game difference. And what's crazy to me about Julius Randle is he's shooting almost forty-two percent from three. Like we were all there last year, we saw him be just a terrible terrible shooter and like i think going into the season we looked at his stats from uh the prior season in new orleans when he shot 34.4 percent and we're like all right he could be a shooter if we if we put him in the right position and then he came in last year and shot 27.7 percent on 3.6 attempts per game and we're all like never mind that wasn't even a thing that was possible and we completely gave up on him. And now he's shooting 41.9% on 4.6 attempts a game. And it's like, it looks sustainable. Like we've hit the point where it's no longer a fluke. Like at the beginning of the year, we're like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I said I have no confidence of that staying, but I think he could end up in like at least a positive territory. But like he is shooting, like it just looks good. It looks like a sustainable shot. Am I wrong? Am I too optimistic? Like, do we still expect this to to drop down to more reasonable numbers? You're not wrong. I mean, no, like I, I could see it, you know, dropping to maybe like 38, 39% for maybe the rest of the season. Um, but that's not enough to kind of dissuade me from thinking that this is a real leap he's made from shooting. And it's not just from three, like you just see what he's doing from mid range. And it is just absurd. He's kind of just, his go-to move has just been, you know, he's so strong and so athletic that he can just kind of lower his shoulder, get into the paint, and then take a, a short little fadeaway in the paint. And he's just he's just so strong that no one can can contest it. He's shooting 50% on long mid-rangers. This is uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, which is just, it's over 10% higher than he ever has in his whole career. Like, He's making these long twos, and they're not just like open long twos. He's creating them himself. He's he's doing step backs. He's got hands in his face. He's getting doubled. He, the shot clock's winding down. Like the Knicks' offense depends on him for everything. So yeah, he he makes some threes. He he makes some open ones. He also makes some some very contested ones. But it's these kind of off the dribble long twos that just have me believing that. The shooting is real. Like he's doing it in every situation, catch and shoot, off the dribble, coming off screens. Like just in every situation, he's shown that he can consistently knock it down. And to me, it's it doesn't seem like a fluke at all. Yeah, it's so consistent. He's just he's doing it off the dribble. He's doing it when he's open. He's just hitting those fadeaways. And like when he shoots it, you think it's going in. And that's that's that shows you how consistent he's been. And the other thing is when we need a bucket, like I want the ball in Julius Randle's hand. And there's been plenty of times this season where the Knicks go on a cold streak and then Julius Randle's like, all right, forget this. I'm just going to score. And then he does. Like he just takes the ball and he goes to the basket, which is the exact opposite of what we wanted at the beginning of the season because that's what he did last year. But like this year, I don't know if it's it's that his passing has opened things up more for him, but he just looks so much more you know, efficient going to the hoop. 
Yeah. And so one thing I'll say is that last season, Julius Randle hit 64 threes, and this season he's hit 67 already. His career high in threes is also 67 that he had with the, the Pelicans in that one season. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he's going to break that this year. Seems like it. I mean, they also, also the the, the one jump. More. He's made a jump at the free throw line as well. He's shooting eighty point eight percent. His previous career high was last year at seventy three point three percent. So that's something too. I mean, that uh, that also shows that he's just a better shooter in general. Yeah, and uh, on the broadcast the other day. Uh, I know they mentioned the, the Kobe Bryant quote that uh, Julius Randle, he said Julius Randle is Lamar Odom and Zach Randolph's body, which is fun for me because, like, Lamar Odom was a very good player. I don't know, you know, who our listeners are and, and how old they are, but um, Lamar Odom was basically the, the glue that held that, that Lakers team together for, for that second uh, run at, runs at the championship with, um, with Pau Gasol, Kobe, and, and them. He was a very good all-around player. And um, Julius Randle's kind of shown that ability to be a very good all-around player and like just a very big and physical body. Yeah, Lamar Odom and um, Zach Randolph are two former Knicks greats as well. So <laughs> it's a good comparison. <laughs> forgot about uh, forgot about Lamar's time with the Knicks. Yeah, I don't know if you ever like set foot in the building or if he just like signed. Send an Probably electronic signature. By. He definitely like he, did. <laughs> he definitely didn't suit up at any point, but he I was, never saw him. Yeah, he was on the squad. I, I definitely didn't see him at at a game or anything. It was Phil Jackson's very first move as Knicks executive, so that was, that was probably nice. his best move as Knicks executive. As it turned out, it's uh, just. I've been waiting for the other shoe to drop on Randall all year, and I guess it it's still only been 35 games, but he just keeps getting better the whole time. If, mental pretzels just this whole season that he's put me into after I spent the better part of a year slandering him, as did pretty much everybody, and deservedly so. And he's just better in in every single way. I saw I saw him making the rounds today that um, he wasn't included in the ESPN Top 100 this year, which we all know because Mitchell Robinson was the only one. I think he came in at like 92. But like, how crazy is it to think that there were a hundred people that ESPN thought were better than Julius Randle, and I didn't disagree with him at that point. So I'm yeah, just as guilty. None of us were clamoring for Julius Randle to be on that list. Um... Though, if we were to make it today, where would you put Randall on a, on a top 100 list? I mean, I I would have a hard time finding like 30 players I want on my team over Randall, the way he's played this year. I, I feel like in that 30 range, and that might be lowballing him for some Knicks fans, but I, I think that's, you know, you, you do want to see a, a more sustained sample before you go like definitively putting him over some of these other guys who have done it, you know, with a larger body of work. But I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think in that, in that 30 range? The, the 30 range is around where my brain goes. If we see him do it for this whole season, optimally and, and another one or two before we start, you know, chipping away at that into the top 20, but, but the 30 ish range feels fair. I mean, he's, 
he's at least he's at least among that now because he's an all star. Yeah. yeah, it's just math. Yeah, that's where my that's my math. mental math was going. Is is you know top thirty would be would be all stars, and then maybe thirty to forty if you consider like positional restrictions, east versus west. Like maybe there's some other guys who might sneak in front of them, but like around around thirty sounds right to me. Not having a list or anything in front of me. Yeah, Ken, if you could just list your top thirty off the top of your head, but it'd be great. That's good radio. Frank Nilakina. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there's only a couple guys left to talk about, which is what I said before. A couple Julius big Randall. ones, though. Uh, uh, who, who you got, though? There's, there's bigger than there's, me. I mean, R.J. Barrett has mm. really been playing well this weekend. Like, I, I think there were some stats going around Nick's Twitter today that in February he was shooting like 43% from three on a pretty good volume. And I know, Kenny, I know the stat you were throwing out in the group chat was if you eliminate those those that 0, and t- 0 for 24 stretch, maybe it was 0 for 21. He had a stretch where he 21. missed a lot of threes in a row. If you were to eliminate those four games of futility, he would be in the forty in the 40s somewhere. So, you know, he's actually having a pretty impressive three-point shooting season, especially as of late. So, I mean, that's a a development that I certainly didn't see coming. The the improved free throw shooting coupled with this this improved three-point stroke is is a huge development for him. And, you know, the fact that he was kind of our go-to guy down the stretch of that Pacers game. Like, he sort of took the offense, put it on his shoulders, and took us across the finish line against a very good team in Indiana. So, I mean, that was just, that was awesome to see. That was, especially considering that, you know, Barrett has, he's 20 years old. He's had his ups and downs this season. But in that game, he finished with 24 points, seven boards, a couple assists, but he was, you know, eight of 17 from the field, four of six from three. And yeah, he missed a couple huge free throws that could have iced the game for good and could have, have potentially, about that. could have potentially lost us the game, the fact they missed him. But he also just, you know, he had a couple drives in a row going left. That were huge. I think he had an and one in there too when he actually made the free throw. Um, and he had a huge assist to Julius Randle for three. And there were like there was like ten plus points in a row that you could attribute to RJ Barrett. And that was a huge game, right? I mean, the Pacers are a team that the Knicks are are in contention with in, in this playoff spot. They have similar records. And the fact that he was able to take over in crunch time says a lot about him as a as a twenty year old kid. So I'm, I'm thrilled with how he's played the, the past few games. Yeah, and I think he's, even one one thing that go, gets overlooked in that game, um, he he made the two big shots. He had that that big assist, but he also made another play, which I think he made a nice pass uh, to Nerlens Noel. That I think I think it was Nerlens Noel that um, Noel bobbled and it went out of bounds. But it had he caught it, it was an easy dunk, and it, it's not like it was a terrible pass. And it was just a, a good setup that you know. He made the right play at the right time that just didn't uh, didn't turn out right to and doesn't doesn't show up in the box score as kind of a big play made. Yeah, and I think it was Bullock, but he was down low, so it looked like it was Nerland's Noel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Bullock was a little out of his element down there. He's a little uh, little discombobulated, but you know you're right. When that was a beautiful pass, he he slipped in there, 
And I just don't think Bullock was expecting it. He didn't expect such a nice pass to come his way in, in such a crucial moment because it was a high-risk one, right? Like, it was a really tight window. It's not really the kind of pass you necessarily throw in the like the last few minutes of a close game. But but RJ had the, you know, he had the chutzpah to go for it, and he, he snuck it through there, and unfortunately, Bullock wasn't able to control it. Yeah, and so just to reiterate the takeover that Tom mentioned the Knicks were down 98-93 with four minutes left. And uh, then Tom's, Tom's takeover, as he mentioned, uh, RJ hit a three, got an and one, dished it to Julius Randle, then made a driving layup. And after that, with 222 left, the Knicks are up 104-98. to So that's an 11-0 run right there led by RJ. All 11 points attributable to RJ in one way or another. Nine I mean, that's Fair, incredible. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's that's what you want. That's exactly what you yeah. want from your guy as far as like seeing development from him. And I know we've been frustrated at times with RJ's play, but and and for good reason. Like he I think even on this last on the last podcast last that we week, did, yeah. we were saying how he's not looking for teammates so much. He's really kind of been selfishly trying to force his own shots up there. Um and I think that he just had a had a bounce back week in a major way. Listen to our episode, probably. That's what did it. Um, hey, you guys get full credit for that. Yeah, I I think I got the the recalculation right with uh you know we've had a, I think a couple games since since Kenny first tweeted out at the stats, but taking out that over twenty one stretch, which of course happened, but it is also only over four games. I believe on the season now, outside of that that four game window, are just shooting. 48.9% from three. So let's just round that baby up to 50%. And it's really I good. I don't think that's right, but we'll go with it. Hold on. I'm going to do the math right now. Do it, said, you do said it, it too. I did it real quick. He said it into a microphone on a podcast. That has to be true. So yeah, yeah. right now he's 41 for 119. So if you take out 21 from 119, that's 98. So he's 41 for 98. Oh, you see what the issue is? I'm looking at Julius Randle's page right now, so that's a big <laughs> part of why that number's wrong. Uh, but he, but it's a really good number. So if we complete the forty-one the point eight number is forty-one point eight percent on the season yeah, minus so. minus those four games. Yeah, and of course those four games happened, and the whole year has been kind of streaky one way or the other for. Him, but as did they? Last week he was on a he was on a down a down period, but. Uh, but yeah, and he's it's really good, really good week, and he was like the catalyst to a win against a good team that yeah got to got to beat. It's big time. Yeah, and I think the last guy we had is is quickly who Kenny started talking about a little bit early. He uh with with Derrick Rose moving into the starting lineup, you see the ball back in Quickly's hands uh, more again. He ended up with twenty five in that Kings game. He uh. He's a little, little annoying with his foul drawing, but he's on our team, so I guess we he's don't totally care cool. about it. But yeah, we're cool with it. Whatever. Trey Young does it. We were against it. Trey Young does it. Trey Young does it worse. We probably he probably does the exact same. But no, I think Trey Young is is worse. Yeah, he quickly hasn't. Just his face. It's worse. His <laughs> haircut. Ugh. Yeah. Like quickly might get to the point where where he's that annoying, but I don't I don't think so, and definitely not while he's on a team that I'm rooting for. 
Yeah, quickly doesn't do the one where he gets in front of you and stops and then shoots it yet. So hopefully he doesn't add that to his bag. I'm pretty against that one more than more than anything else. No, like he gets in front of you, he stops and kind of like makes sure you're on his hip and like tries to create space that way. But you're right, he d- he doesn't usually like jump backwards or like go straight up into guys off of that pick. Though I could see him totally doing that. That's that's kind of that's <laughs> kind of his shtick. Like. He's going to draw fouls. He created uh, three points against Out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, against Detroit, right? It was he. It was the closing seconds of was it the first quarter. Yeah, I believe so. And he just threw up a pump fake. The defender kind of bit, but not really. But quickly, just sort of lunged into him and threw it up. And the refs felt compelled to call something, and they they called a foul. On the defender, three free throws for quickly, and that's pretty much three points right there. So, um, yeah, I don't, again, I don't condone the foul drawing and the exploiting of some of these rules, but I'm also not going to discourage quickly, who's, you know, a rookie trying to find his footing in the league from doing everything he can to to, to get points on the board and make the right play. So, um, yeah, keep doing your thing quickly. Yeah, and uh, he had two consecutive games drawing three-point play or four-point plays, which was exciting. And uh, also, ninety-four for a hundred officially on the season from the free throw line, which is an absurd ninety-four percent. So, like, if he's going to be a guy who's drawing fouls like that, like, he's making them in a ninety-four percent clip. So, whatever you have to do to get there, man, I appreciate you. That's that's easy math. Even BBD could do that one. Yeah, he's also well. The, doing the math wasn't the issue. Reading is the issue. <laughs> and um, yeah, he's also he's also benefiting from not playing uh, very many minutes. So there's not time for people to get annoyed by it. Yeah. For better or worse. Just like Tom mentioned, with with him getting the the defender on his hip, it reminds me of uh, Isaiah Thomas during his. MVP ask season, um, he, he was just amazing at that. And with quickly size, you could see maybe he could start studying tape of that that season by IT as well. We'll have to tweet at him and let him know to check the tape. But I mean, I think that does it for the Knicks. Unless you guys have any other things you want to discuss. Uh, is there anything else? I mean, just the, the last thing I'll say about quickly is just how impressive his off-the-dribble three-point shooting has been. Like, just coming off screens. He had a couple step-backs. I think he had two in a row. Was this against Was this against Detroit? I'm, I'm mixing him up. No, it wasn't against Detroit. Might have been the Pacers. I think he had, he had two just back-to-back on the right wing, two step-back threes. It may have been against the Pacers when he was three of four from three on the game and the, the Pacers and the Knicks in general were, were 12 of 24 hit 50% of our threes that game. That's pretty impressive for a team that isn't really known for their shooting. Um, but it's those off the dribble ones that, that just keep the defenses always guessing and on their toes. And it just, it's what allows you to blow by guys, get into the paint, hopefully facilitate some offense for others too. Um, that's an area of development for quickly. He's, Obviously, so reliant on his floater once he does get into the paint, but 
you know, he's going to he's going to find other ways to impact the game and I don't think it's always going to be through that floater. I think he's going to be able to start finding guys on the perimeter, finding guys for lobs. He's already gotten pretty good at that, so um but just just that off the dribble three. There are so few guys on the Knicks who have that in the bag, certainly in terms of the guards, you know, like Julius Randle has against all odds developed that shot, which is just shocking that he can just hit step back threes. Um, but he usually only pulls that out with like the shot clock winding down or at the end of quarters quickly. will just do it in the middle of possessions at the beginning of possessions. He feels extremely confident to do that. And then Burks, I guess would be the only other guy who, who sort of goes for that, that step back three. Um, but yeah, quickly doing that as a rookie, super impressive and, and way ahead of the curve uh, compared to where I thought he was going to be. Dude. And then we have two games left before the All-Star break. We're playing the San Antonio Spurs and the Detroit Pistons, who we just defeated by 19 points. I think we did pretty well with our predictions last week. I think me and Tom maybe said 3-0, and and then BBD and Jake said 2-1. and Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I said two and one, and someone else said three and zero. But I'll, I'll take credit for the three and zero. So BBD, we'll let you we'll let you get the first pick today. Oh boy, it is my lucky day. Let's pull up the next schedule. And make sure I know Spurs, exactly who they're going to play. Spurs, so they're Spurs and Spurs Pistons. tomorrow night. There's only three Pistons options again. Here. Right, these are the last Ooh. two games before the All Star break. Yeah. So it's only two left. Give me two and zero. Hell of a pick. Good. I like that pick a lot. I'll go next. I'll I'll pick two and zero as well. What? And, and I think that, <laughs> and I think this is going to be, you know, I think we're all going to be in agreement here because it's got to be two and zero. It's got to be two and zero. I think we have consensus here. Kenny, tell me we have consensus. I'm gonna I'm gonna break the streak. I'm gonna go three and zero because Julius Randle's team will also win in the All Star game, regardless of what team it is. We don't even know the teams. It's a good take. <laughs> I like that. I like it a lot. It's it, we're in a we're in a weird world where like the Knicks can kind of have disappointing losses again. And I guess the Spurs are kind of a sneaky good team this year. Spurs are pretty good this year. Yeah, that's right. Like, we're, we're pretty good. Team, but we're, yeah, right we're also high. a good team. Yeah. And they're go it'll be the second night of a back to back for them. They're playing Brooklyn tonight. So they're, they're exhausted. We're going to embarrass them at that party. Yes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. All right. I think that does it for, for the next segment. And now we move on to everyone's favorite sub-podcast. What else is on? I personally, I don't know that I've been watching anything. I've, I've been watching Six Feet Under still. Finished the first season. It's pretty good. Good television. It wasn't funny. It was television. How many seasons are there? Is it like a huge time commitment? I think there's like five. Wow. And and like each episode's how long? I think like 55 minutes. That's super long. How many episodes per season? 13, I think. Oh, my there's, God. There's one with 12. So I'm, I'm in it. It's, it's more attainable. I've watched The Sopranos and The Wire, and this was supposed to be the next next in the list of those the show so it's good so far you know what i heard was next in the list of those shows was deadwood have you guys ever seen or heard of deadwood so i watched the first season of deadwood it's it's a pretty slow show it's about the wild west I, yeah i just didn't love it it wasn't really for me 
but it was slow and I, I could see why people think it's super well done and you know maybe artistic or whatever but it was not my style so yeah john boy is a big fan of it so don't let him hear this podcast all right bbd can you edit that part out can't have the, <laughs> can't have the boss talking hearing all that talk but uh i i'm still watching ted lasso as you'd expect considering i'd only seen the first episode on the last last time we all chatted and i'm in it i love it i think it's just it's so much fun but it's also kind of heavy and serious at times but there's a there's a limit right there's a guardrail to how heavy you can really get just because of who the characters are and there's always gonna be moments of levity during those kind of heavy times so i don't know i'm uh I think I'm like eight episodes in. Those episodes are only 30 minutes long. And uh, both my wife and I are just super, super into it. He's he's such a fun character. They do a good job with the with the ancillary ones as well. And they just build this little world out there where you're like, I don't even like soccer that much, but I'm definitely rooting for this team. I'm rooting for this guy. It's a, you know, it, it's a classic. There are definitely some tropes of sitcoms that you that you identify where some enemies are going to like become friends and have a change of heart and, and probably vice versa. But overall, I don't think I could, I could recommend a, a sitcom that I've seen recently more highly than Ted Lasso. A lot of fun. Just really nice quality show. Guess I'll have to check it out. Fun. All right. So Kenny, what, what else is on over there? Uh, I'm still watching all the same shows I was watching last time I was on, which was, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. I'm still cranking through uh, New Girl and Community and uh, same pace on WandaVision, which is only out once once every week. But all three of them going really well. <clears throat> WandaVision, really hot in the streets. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if any of Very you are much. watching. I, I don't I don't think so. I know BBD has specifically said it's it's annoying him that so many people are talking about it because he's not in on it. Uh, but if you're in on the Marvel movies, I, yeah, I think you pretty much have to watch it because there's stuff going on and it's very interesting and well done. Um, I was texting Greg about some stuff with community. I think last week I watched some, um, some classic episodes that, you know, I never, I didn't watch community before this, but there's episodes that I know about, like the one where they're, they go to get pizza and there's the famous uh, gif of, mm. Donald Glover coming back and like the room is on fire and like everything's going crazy. Uh, and I just watched episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I just watched that episode and that like, I've, I've seen it previously and it's the only episode I've seen previously, but in context, it was even better. And uh, there, there were a few other very good ones. So, you know, it's just highly recommend that show and a new girl's new girl. Don't, I don't need to expand on that. If you haven't seen it, it's a very, fun light entertaining show but uh right now i'm I'm pretty into community and have put that on the back burner yeah i think i even mentioned on this on this pod before exactly streets ahead i uh community was the first show that i binged during quarantine so like pretty much a year ago now or whenever i think we're coming up on a year i think we're pretty much a year in yeah yeah so that community was i don't know necessarily why it just i think it was just came to netflix at that time and so i was i was curious about it. i knew dan Harmon from you know i'm not a rick and morty guy i haven't seen rick and morty really but i know that people love it and i'm i'm open to watching it 
It's just you should check it out. Um, I loved Community. I thought it was it was just so much fun, and you know it was good to see a uh, Joel. I mean, the cast is incredible. It's got Joel, Mikhail, Allison Brie. It's got I mean obviously Donald Glover, but just so many Chevy Chase, so many people who have gone on to do big things, um, or who did big things in the past in Chevy Chase's case. Um, yeah, good good show too. All right, BBD. What else is on? I like Tom. I'm I'm watching a little Apple TV. I've been uh I've been tuning into the morning show. Sam at the office started watching it, and I I just finished Gilmore Girls, so I needed that. I've been using it as my treadmill show, so I'm like only watching it while I'm on the treadmill in my house. So it gives me like, gets me like a good hour every day. Do that episode, get out. And we're kind of book clubbing it, talking, and then uh, so keeping a good pace. I'll be done with that in like a week, I guess. But halfway through now. So the morning show is Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston, right? Yeah, Steve Carell. I believe it was like Apple TV's like kind of first, like this is first uh, original programming, and they kind of went went all out with the cast because even like the side characters or some of the side characters are like pretty big actors and it's like yeah they went all out is it about a morning show is that like a news program or something yeah it's like a it's about like the matt lauer uh situation it's like exactly that story oh so is is it heavy so it's not a comedy it's like serious not a comedy it's it's like a yeah it's like a serious show okay let's check that out moments of levity i suppose but that just just quality stuff. I hadn't given it the the full watch. I'd always and I hadn't like had Apple TV until I eventually like went with my trial to watch Ted Lasso, and then I still didn't watch the morning show. And I was like, why didn't I do that? And now I'm doing it. It's good. Yeah, because when you buy an Apple Rob product, any show after Raven's Quest, Mythic. Yeah, I gotta watch that too because I heard it's good. They're funny. Where where I thought Tom was about to go is um, I have had on my phone since I got I got a new work phone about a year and a few months ago because mine got stolen out of my car. And since then, it has said on my phone that I have three days to claim a free year of Apple TV or it's going to expire. And it still says that. So it's been saying you have three days to do it for, about for a months. year. Yeah. Yeah. Time time is a flat circle, so <laughs> time it, is all relative. Yeah. You should you should claim it. I didn't yeah, Rose got I, a, a Apple Watch and so we we got Apple TV for a full year. It's incredible. It's a great deal. Yeah, so I will look into that. I, <laughs> I keep I, there's no reason I haven't done it other than like it would require me to actually sit down and Set do it. Set it up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean those those guys at Apple are always known for for their bargains and they've hit it out of the park with this one. Right, I think we've we've had a successful day at the office. Um, Nick's hot. Um, Nick's best team ever, fourth place, on the up and up. About to finish the first half of the season above five hundred. Hopefully, that'd be huge. So, go Nick's. Nick's take. <laughs>